The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. While the ushers distribute the study sheets, I'd actually like for you to open your Bibles with me to Judges, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. And we're going to continue uh, in our very disrupted series. So Joshua chapter 7, and and this, uh, this series has been very disruptive. I think this is probably only the second, second time I've taught since before, uh, right after Thanksgiving, actually. So uh, we've had a lot of things going on, and uh, so I haven't, I haven't been able to stay and, and flow in this series. So I apologize that it's kind of, it's hard enough to keep everybody's mind on what we're doing when I teach every other week, but sometimes when I go three or four weeks between lessons, it's even more difficult. But uh, we've been discussing the, the church's model. And uh, we talked about this church in Jerusalem is is probably the best model we can have, as it was the closest to Christ himself. And it was organized and, and started by, by Jesus, and upon his departure, they continued in what he had taught them. So it's a very good church to, to build our model off of. And we said that first, it was a unified church, um, a church that they were all together, and, 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 and they did all things common amongst, uh, with each other. And uh, we saw that. Secondly, we said it was a praying church. And um, we, we saw two things in the praying. First was that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it said these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So they continued. Uh, that was the first thing we looked at, the fact that they continued in prayer. Uh, their praying was consistent. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, we are admonished to pray without ceasing. Uh, and of course, we discussed that uh, this meant that the believers should be constantly or consistently found in the performance of this duty of prayer. Consistency, not necessarily uh, praying without stop, without ceasing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is physically impossible. And it's just, it's just not possible to do that. But we are to be consistent. We should daily be in prayer and, and consistently in communication with the Lord. And by the way, we can communicate with the Lord without being in a posture of prayer. Uh, I hope you realize that. Uh, you can, you can easily, I, I commune with the Lord while I'm driving. And I'm sure all the other drivers on the road wished I would stop, but I commune with the Lord as I drive and, and uh, on my visor, I have a little prayer list, and I usually flip that down when I'm driving and, and look up at that and, and, and pray as, I, as I'm driving. And, and we can find times to communicate with the Lord. Communing with the Lord, it, it's, it's, it's a constant thing. It's a consistent thing. So we're to consistently be in prayer. Um, nor should we quit through discouragement. Uh, sometimes it can become discouraging when you pray and you do not get an answer. Or it may seem you do not get an answer. And we need to remember that the Lord is wise. 
Uh, I remember back in Louisiana, we we had a uh, we started our church. We founded it in 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 a in a living room, and we 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 had a rent house, a rental house that we had gotten, and we'd hold our services there. We held we held church services there. We had two portable buildings down the street, and we had one one Sunday school class that met across the river, across the Atchafalaya River, in a, in, a, in a house down there. And we were scattered all over the place. And we wanted to bring our entire church plant together in one place. So we prayed and prayed and we found this piece of property and it was great. It was a great place. It had a, a large open room and had a second floor where you could have all the Sunday school classes and all the, all the schools and everything else we wanted to have. We could have all of that up there and it was perfect. And we prayed and we said, Lord, this is the perfect place. This is what we need, Lord. And we tried to, we tried to push that through. And, and we held, we'd hold prayer meetings and, and everything else. And in the spring, every year in, in that area of Louisiana, it floods. The Atchafalaya River floods. And this particular piece of property happened to be on the river side of the seawall. Now, when I say seawall, I'm not kidding. It's, it's a wall as tall as this building. It's, it, and it's uh, 14 foot thick. And it's all steel reinforced. And it keeps the water out of the city. Uh, Morgan City is a city that's below sea level, and if it weren't for the if it weren't for the levees and the seawalls, it wouldn't exist. They have pumps running constantly. Well, this piece of property was on the riverside of that seawall, and lo and behold, the river the river rose and the property was underwater. Now we thought that was the best thing for us, but the Lord knew better, and He didn't give us that place. And praise His name, He didn't. So we have to be, we have to not get discouraged, even though sometimes it may seem we're not getting an answer. We need to understand that in God's time and according to his will and pleasure, he will answer our prayers. These men and women in the church of Jerusalem were continuing in prayer and supplication. They were not going to give up. They were not going to doubt. And we must not give up or doubt either when it comes to prayer. And in that lesson, I gave you 12 reasons for prayer, 12 benefits of prayer. And I'm not going to go through those again this morning for time's sake, but uh, we, we're, we're, we're going to move forward. So uh, back to the text verse in verse 14, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So the second thing that leaps out at me about this church in Jerusalem concerning their prayer life was secondly, they were in accord in prayer. Now, I want to take a moment here, and let's go to Joshua chapter 7, you should be there, and let's look at verse 1. We read, But the children of Israel committeth a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Cormai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jerusalem to Ai, which is uh, beside Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed it, viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up, and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, 
and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they uh, chased them from before the gate even unto Sherebarim, and smote them in the going down, whereof the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So we see here um, that the, the, the people of Israel uh, went to attack this little town of Ai, and the scouts went out and said, oh, they're, they're just a few people. We don't need to send everyone. You can send two or 3,000 men, and they'll easily take that city. Remember, they had just conquered Jericho, the great walled city. They saw God knock the walls down flat. And they had won a great victory. So they were feeling pretty good about themselves at that moment. And they felt like, hey, you know, we're pretty powerful now. We can go down there with about two or three thousand men. and <coughs> We can take this city. And Joshua said, OK, well, let's do that. And they did. And they went down and they got chased out of town. And uh, 36 men were killed. 36 men died uh, in that little battle. And Why? Well, we read it in verse 1. But it said, but the children of Israel committed a trespass. But wait a minute. All the children didn't commit the trespass, did they? Did they? Who committed the trespass? Achan. So why does the Bible say the children of Israel committed the trespass? Think about it for a moment. We are, we are all one what? We're one body. This church, Berean Baptist Church, we're one body. We're united together in Christ. And when one of us sins, guess what? All of us have sinned. Now, Remember, when we're talking about continuing in prayer and being in one accord in prayer, I'm not talking about individual prayer here. I'm not talking about, we're not, we're not talking about the individual person. We're talking about the church. And our church has a prayer life. You and I as individuals, we have a prayer life, an individual prayer life. <laughs> but as a collective body, as a church, we also are responsible to, for prayer before the Father. And the question begs, am I my brother's keeper? Well, in this aspect, yes, we are. This is why, as a church, we have discipline. This is why, sometimes, we have to, we have to go to church members and correct them. And discipline them. Why? It's not because we're trying to take authority over them. But it's because we have a responsibility as God's church to hold one another accountable. See, people get offended when the pastor or a deacon goes to their house and says, listen, you know, we've. We've heard that you're doing this one thing and this, this shouldn't be done. It, 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 it demeans the testimony of the church. It, and people get offended by that. And that's probably because when people join a church, the church doesn't take the time to, 
to, to communicate to them the expectations. If you're going to be a member of this body, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to agree to abide by this body's charter. <coughs> Excuse me. So we, yes, in that aspect, I am my brother's keeper. Now, that doesn't mean I'm supposed to stick my nose in my brother's business. Okay? That doesn't mean I look up my brother on Facebook and look at every little thing he's doing and say, Oh, no, I'm going to discipline you now. That's not what it is. We're to go with love and compassion to our brothers and say, Look, we're trying to serve the Lord. And we need, we need to do the right things. And I love you, brother, and I'm praying for you, but you need to address this thing that's going on. But you see, Ai committed, uh, I'm sorry, Achan committed the sin. But God held all the people accountable for it. He held every child of Israel accountable for Achan's actions. So you understand as a church, the same thing befalls us? Do you understand that? We all need to, to, to be accountable for our actions to one another. I'm accountable to you. And if I, in fact, if I, if I disregard those kind of things and I do what I want to do, even if it hurts the church, it hurts you. And I need to be understanding of that. So these people were, were all in accord in prayer. They, they came to an agreement and they understood the importance of being in accord, of, of being in unity. And, and, and in doing the right things for the glory of God and for the sake of the church, his body. In Matthew chapter 18, we read again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, these all learned how to get things from God. They learned to avoid those things that would hinder their prayers. And that's where I want to focus for the next 20 minutes or so this morning. I want to look at things that hinder our prayers, can hinder our prayer life. And this will not only hinder our prayer life as individuals, but it will hinder our prayer life as a church body. And these must be addressed and we must deal with these. So first of all, number one, what will hinder our prayer? Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Psalm 66 and verse 18 states, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's pretty, that's pretty direct. If I regard iniquity in my heart. In other words, if I'm involved, if I'm involved in iniquity, if I'm involved in sin, and in my heart I know it, and in my heart I, I do not deal with it, the Lord will not hear me. My prayers before God are hindered. And there are a lot of churches in America who sweep sin under the rug. Within the church. 
and pretend it's not happening. And God will not hear those people. He blocks their prayers. We see that in the, we see that in the Roman Catholic Church, the, these pedophile priests all over the place, and, 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 and the church just moves them or, or, or hides it somehow. But you know what? I wish I could say it never happens in Baptist circles, but it does. It does. I, I, I won't mention any names or anything, but I know of two or three churches that have, I know of one church that took the pastor and sent him to Germany. So, in hopes that what was going on in the church wouldn't be found out. But it was found out. And that, that man sits in a prison today. And justifiably, he should have. So, this goes on all over the place. We must be faithful to forsake and confess sin. And when sin rears its head within our church, we must be compassionate. We must go to that, that one individual. We must seek restitution. And we must love them back into the body and help them back into the fold of Christ. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So sin is something that must be dealt with. Uh, and unconfessed sin will hinder our church prayer. Number two, the second thing that will hinder prayers is insincerity. Insincerity. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, we read, And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I send to you, they have their reward. Insincere prayers. People who, 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 who love to draw attention to themselves, who, who love to be, uh, sit, the Bible says they love to sit in the chief seats. They desire this. They, they crave for the, for the adoration and attention of men. We see this all over the country too. I've gone to, I've gone to, uh, I've gone to seminars or, or meetings where someone will, will be introduced and they stand for five minutes and applaud for the guy. You ever see that? Now, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging someone's contributions to the work of the Lord. But do you think the Apostle Paul would stand up in the temple and let people applaud him for five minutes while he looks so humble? Oh, oh please. Oh, please. Oh, oh please. Oh. Paul would have rebuked them. He'd have said, get thee behind me, Satan. If you're going to honor anyone, if you're going to worship anyone, let it be the Lord. You know, we, you know what the problem in America is? We spend too much time worshiping the man of God and not enough time worshiping the God of man. That's what's wrong in America. So we have to be careful with this insincerity in our lives, doing what we do not, not to glorify the Father, but to glorify ourselves. And, and we must be careful with that. I've seen, I've seen a lot of these types of things go on over the years in churches. 
And those churches become a shell of what they were simply because God's hand is removed because their, their glory is their own and not his. So insincerity. Number three, carnal motives will hinder prayer. Carnal motives, fleshly motives. James chapter 4 and verse 3, we read, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. This is a big thing. We need to know the motive of our prayer. Why are we petitioning the Lord? I've gone to, again, I've, I've gone to seminars and and, and sometimes you go to the seminars of these big churches and, and they, they think you need to do everything they do because you understand they're the best. They're the greatest. And if you want to have a great church, well, then you better do what we do. And if you don't, then you're not going to have a great church. And I've gone to some of those seminars and I've seen some of the ministries they, they, they're conducting. I think to myself, hey, you know, that's pretty, pretty nice. But it's not for us. It's not what God wants us to do. And, and some people come away from those kind of things and their motive, the motive in wanting to duplicate what they're doing is not to glorify God. It's to glorify themselves. It's to, it's to make a big name for themselves. It's, it, who do you think uh, directs the church? Who should direct the church, by the way? Christ. Christ should direct the church. The pastor and the deacons come together and they prayerfully seek the Lord's will and what we should do as a church. And, and maybe something that another church is doing is not something that we should be doing. But because they're doing it and they're getting all this attention and it looks so, much, it looks so great and everybody's oohing and aahing about it, we think, well, we need to do that too. But that's not necessarily the case. What God has for you to do may be different from what he has for me to do. Every one of us have to run our own race. Amen. Now, as a church, we run together. But this church is different from another church. And as churches, we run different races and we accomplish different things and we do them according to the will of the father. So when our motives become carnal, when they become, when they become such that we're, we want to do this, not for God's glory, <laughs> but for our own, this hinders our prayer life. Number four, what hinders our prayer life as a church and as individuals? Unbelief. Unbelief. James chapter one, James writes, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Unbelief. You know, sometimes we go to the Lord and pray because it's what we're supposed to do. But we really don't expect the Lord to, to answer it. We really don't expect that he's going to. We really don't believe that he's going to answer that prayer. You remember the man in, in the scripture who came to the Lord and, and wanted the Lord to heal his, his, his servant? And the Lord said, if thou believest, 
And he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. You remember that? In other words, he's saying, I know you can do it, Lord, but you got to help me here because I'm not sure I'm worthy for, for your help. And, and he wasn't. But there's unbelief. And sometimes unbelief, wavering, doubting that God is really going to answer our prayers, can hinder our prayers. Because God expects us to live by faith. And he expects us to trust him in all things. And when we learn to trust the Lord, our prayer is going to be, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. That's what Jesus said. Give me this day my daily bread. And what the Lord is saying, what Jesus was saying is, I trust you, Father, for all my provision today. And when we get to that point, we pray by faith. And we, we, we trust. And we know that whatever God gives us, is, is his will for us. And we are content in that thing. And unbelief just kind of flitters away. It goes away. Doubt and fear all go out the window. Unbelief. Number five, another thing that hinders prayer lives is domestic problems. Domestic problems. Husbands and wives not getting along. It's in, in First Peter Chapter 3, Peter writes, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Oh yeah, when husbands and wives are at odds with each other, that's displeasing to the Lord. When, when children are disobedient to parents, that's displeasing to the Lord. And when church members are bickering and fighting amongst each other, that's displeasing to the Lord. Now, to my knowledge, no one in Berean has any problems with anyone else in Berean. Other than maybe in the recesses of our minds. But in our hearts, in our hearts, if we, if we have ill will in our hearts... Just like Achan stole and hid and it affected everyone in, in Israel. We can affect our own church by, by harboring those kinds of things in our heart. This is a serious thing. It, it, it's, really, it's really not a good thing at all. And you know, one thing we are good at as human beings, we are good at being hypocritical. And don't sit there and look at me like, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm, I beg to differ with everyone in this room. Sometimes we go up to a person, hi, how you doing? And in our mind we're saying, you dirty rat. Uh, it happens, folks, and we have to be careful about that. Because those kind of things will affect our communications with the Father. Um, number six, what hinders prayers? Pride. Pride hinders prayer. Luke chapter 18, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. 
I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. See the pride in him? How dare he stand before the, the Lord God and boast of his accomplishments? And then we read, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Pride hinders prayer. Pride hinders prayer. You know, if we, if we accomplish anything, let God have the glory. Glorify the Father. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul said, in me is no good thing. Paul, Paul understood that he was to be humble. That he was to do all that he can do for the Father. But that he was to remain humble in that and understand and realize that it is God working in and through him. And that's what we need. We need humble people in our church. I mean, there are churches where the deacon board are kings. And you better, you better bow to them when they come walking by. I remember one day I was walking through one of these seminars. I was walking through the hallway and the pastor of this church with the with the two of the guest speakers were walking down the hallway and everybody was just getting out of the way and and bowing as they walked by. And when they walked past me, I said, hey, fellas, how you doing? And that pastor spun around and said, fellas. Like, who are you to call me fella? Bow down now and worship at my feet. Oh, no, 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 no. I worship but one person. I worship God the Father and none other. I'll bow to no man. Now, I respect men. And I'll honor men that work hard. But I bow to only the Father. And no one else. Pride is a terrible thing. Pride ruins and destroys marriages. It ruins and destroys homes. It ruins and destroys nations. What do you think going on in America right now? It's a big battle of pride. It's all it's about right now. We've lost sight of why this is going on. And it's become a matter of who's going to give in. And I'm not making a political statement, please. Don't come to me after and talk to me about that. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. But it is pride. And when you boil it down, that's what it is. It's pride at its worst. And people suffer because of pride. And churches suffer because of pride. Number seven, what hinders prayer? Robbing God. This is what this whole thing was about in Joshua chapter 7. Achan robbed God. And because of it, God's people fell under judgment. Robbing God hinders the prayers of the church. It hinders the work of the church. I have to hurry. I only have a couple minutes left. Number eight, unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... 
and there rememberest that thy brother had aught against thee. Leave thy gift there before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Unforgiveness. Listen, God does not need our money. Do you understand that? He, he, he owns the cattle in a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. He needs your obedience. He, need, he needs your sacrifice to him. That's what he needs. And when we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, then our offerings to God are as filthy rags, and he doesn't desire them. And number nine, and I'll, I'll close with this, rebellion. Rebellion. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Because I have called, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your hour cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Rebellion. Listen, it's one thing to be unknowledgeable of the truth. It's another thing once you've said and heard, thus saith the Lord. It's another thing to continue in your sin. We need to learn to be be soft-hearted to the preaching and not rebellious in our hearts and minds. Well, folks, I got to stop. Um, Thank you for being here this morning. And you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.